Welcome to All Over the Map, where we discuss anything and everything in the world of sports media. I am your host, Ali Musa. Welcome to the studio for All Over the Map. On the day of this recording, it is Friday, April 14th, 2023. I would like to take this opportunity to welcome you into the studio today and for this week. My name is Ali Musa, and I will be your host for this show and all the shows that we do for all over the map. And we are excited to bring you some great content here today and for this week. I trust that you have had a wonderful week. I I certainly have. Uh, I've really been enjoying the Jays run. They had a really great series against the Tigers. And um, and they also went six and four last week on their road trip uh, through St. Louis. And they also uh, through Kansas and through Kansas City and through and wrapped it up in Los Angeles against the Angels. And they had a great run here against the Tigers. And the Kitchener Rangers did not have a great series, uh, sorry, a great uh, first game of the, uh, of the playoffs uh, of round two. As they fell to the Knights, they lost to the London Knights 5-1. to one. Now, hopefully they are able to rebound tonight in game two. And uh, we are, and they, they just have to remember here, they just, to um, uh, get some more, uh, take advantage of power play uh, opportunities there, power play goal opportunities. Coming up today, this week on All Over the Map, we have Manny Pava stopping by the studio to um, provide his perspective on sports and sports media. Manny is the play-by-play voice of the Windsor Spitfires of the Ontario Hockey League. And we are going to take a quick break. Stick around. You will not want to miss it. And we will come right back. You are listening to All Over the Map. Looking for sports content on the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Bills, and the Argos, as well as the Blue Jays and the Raptors during the NBA basketball season, the NFL, CFL football season, the blue, the baseball season in MLB, and the hockey season in the NHL, then you've come to the right place. Check out Sports for Beginners, the podcast, with me, Scott McGregor, where we talk about everything and anything in the world of sports media and around the teams, the Pittsburgh Penguins during hockey season, the Buffalo Bills and Toronto Argonauts during football season, the Toronto Blue Jays during baseball season, and the Raptors of Toronto, the Toronto Raptors during basketball season. We've got you covered every week 
But if you've got any questions or feedback, please send us an email at sportsforbeginnerspodcast8231 at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash sportsforbeginnerspodcast87. And to learn more about upcoming episodes and when they drop, please visit https colon slash slash sportsforbeginners.wordpress.com Once again, that is https colon slash slash sportsforbeginners.wordpress.com Catch you later, fans! Hey hockey fans, with the hockey season now officially underway, it's about time for all of that hockey content to return to its rightful place, and that's why this is our podcast specifically designed for hockey fans like you. So whether you're driving to work and need some help getting ready for your team before they drop the puck, or driving to the school to learn something new in life, Makes on the ice and behind the benches a part of your daily routine on Tuesdays and join me as your host on the podcast as we dive deeper into all hockey conversations with experts who know the game, former hockey players, coaches, and of course, everyone's worst enemy, the referees. So get ready for exclusive fantastic, entertaining, fun hockey content on this podcast, and join me, your host, Thomas McGregor, but co-host of the Sports for Beginners podcast, as we take this journey together on everything and anything in the hockey world. On the Ice and Behind the Benches is the neighboring podcast to a Sports for Beginners podcast. That airs episodes every Thursdays, but for us, we air episodes every Tuesdays. And for more information, please visit the Facebook page of our neighboring podcast, the Sports for Beginners podcast Facebook page to be exact. I'm so excited to begin this journey with you, and I hope you hockey fans, old, new, fan or no fan, are ready to join me on this journey as well. That's on the ice and behind the benches with your host, Thomas McGregor, myself, every Tuesdays on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Spotify. And if you want early access to early episodes of the podcast upload, you can visit anchor.fm as soon as the episode has already been uploaded onto your favorite podcasting platform. Should there be any delays to its launch, that's anchor.fm for early access on On the Ice and Behind the Benches episodes before they hit your platform. We are currently available on Spotify and air episodes every Tuesday. We've got post and reaction content now, but I am excited to join have you join me on this journey so don't miss it
And remember, on this podcast, nobody gets icing. Welcome back to All Over the Map for the week of Friday, April 14th, 2023. I am your host, Ali Musa. Joining me in the studio today, or this week, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, is Manny Pava. Manny is the play-by-play voice of the Windsor Spitfires. Manny, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Ali, always great to be with you. Uh, just a quick correction. I am the color man on the radio for the Windsor Spitfires, and I do the games with Steve Bell. Um, and when Steve's not around, I get to do play-by-play as well. But always appreciate the opportunity to talk hockey, the Windsor Spitfires, and sports in general. Awesome. Yes. And, of course, uh, the Kitchen Rangers beat them last week, of course. Yes, they did. I did not expect that my hockey journey in 2022-2023 would be over so quick. Yeah, and they've had the Rangers have had an interesting sort of run too because, you know, finishing 8th and of course they did lose to the Knights last night, of course. Yes, they um, did. But uh, I think they've like they weren't really expected to do any like they weren't really expected to go that far. Like with the of course they had another a co- another coaching change. GM Mike McKenzie took over. Yeah, I, I think the big thing there though is even though they finished eighth, people expected them to be a whole lot better because as general manager Mike McKenzie made some substantial moves in the regular season to improve his hockey club. They just didn't gel after former coach Chris Dennis led the bench. But when Mike McKenzie took over on the bench on February 10th, Kitchener won 12 of their final 19 games, I believe. And so he got them in a position to perform at uh, the playoff level and i thought that kitchener when you look at their lineup compared to windsor's lineup i always thought even before the series began that kitchener would be a tough matchup for windsor because they they're basically the same hockey team and in the end the matchup was very tough for windsor and kitchener becomes the first eight seed ever in ohl playoff history to sweep a number one seed in the first round of the playoffs yeah, that is awesome. That is, yeah, that's great, you know, because it's it's very like, you see, and I think sports in general is kind of interesting that way because of the fact that um, that you never know. A team could be at the bottom of the barrel there, but then they could end up kind of going and, uh, like, you know, winning it up. Yeah, and I think when you take a look at that Kitchener Rangers lineup, it's a very dangerous lineup. They have uh, Francesco Arcuri and Fan- Francesco Pinelli, who are both extremely talented and skilled forwards. Uh, you add uh, Philip Machar, a first-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, Carson Rakoff, who is a power play specialist. And uh, I thought Mitchell Martin was fantastic in the series against Windsor, a big body who uh, not only plays physical, but has some really good skill. I think his future is bright and he could be a uh, a substantial player at the NHL level. And their acquisition of Danny Jilkin, 
the forward spot and Marco Constantini in net. Uh, really great additions by Mike McKenzie that makes Kitchener a threat here in the playoffs now against the London Knights. Yeah, that'll be a great series to keep an eye on. Did you, did you know, how about we start? I'd like to start with, like, tell us a little bit about yourself, if, if uh, whatever you're comfortable sharing, you know, about uh, growing up or anything you'd like to share here. Yeah, sure, Ali, and not a problem. Um, I grew up in Strathroy, Ontario. I'm from Strathroy, which for your listeners is just outside of London um, in Middlesex County, uh, home of Pat Stapleton for older hockey fans or newer hockey fans. Um, home to Brian Campbell, uh, an NHL Stanley Cup champion, uh, Andy McDonald, another Stanley Cup champion, uh, most recently in the OHL, Hunter Haight, a star in Saginaw. He's also from Strathroy. Um, so growing up in Strathroy, a uh, very big sports fan, played a lot of different sports. Uh, not so good at hockey, but loved the sport. And so uh, I got into broadcasting, went to Fanshawe College in London for broadcast journalism. And while at Fanshawe, I was able to start calling games in the OHL for the London Knights and got the bug there, started doing play-by-play for the London Knights. And after I graduated from Fanshawe, um, uh, I was still doing Knights games, working in the London area. And then got a job in Owen Sound and moved to Owen Sound in 1995 and started uh, working on the broadcasts on radio and television for the Owen Sound Platers, who became the Owen Sound Attack, and did that um, for 21 years. And then moved to Windsor in 2016, and I was fortunate enough to um, join the Windsor Spitfires broadcast and started calling Windsor Spitfires games in the Windsor area. Uh, I am a broadcast journalist. That is my background, uh, working in radio uh, as a journalist, as a newscaster, as a reporter, uh, became news manager, news director and news manager in Owen Sound of eight radio stations, moved to Windsor to be the news director at CTV and AM 800, uh, and then left the industry, and I'm now a communications professional uh, working on the Gordie Howe International Bridge between Windsor and Detroit, while also still calling OHL games in Windsor. It's, um, it's, it's kind of one of those things, too, where you had a passion for something and uh, and then just sort of, you know, went along with it and just uh, uh, pursued it. Um, and of course, uh, pursued the opportunity. Now, you mentioned back there a little bit that you had a chance to that um, you uh, that when you first got into play by play there with the Knights. Now, before you got into play by play, did you ever did you um, kind of pretend like uh, when did the radio bug kind of catch you? Like, did you sort of have um, did you pretend to do play by play like in like? say in your room in front of a radio while listening to say, I don't know, leaf games or something. (laughs) Uh, So growing up, yes, I I sort of got the broadcasting bug from watching hockey and then watching other sports growing up in Strathroy uh, hockey wise. My dad was a huge Leafs fan, still is a Leafs fan um, and watching how dismal they were. 
uh, I decided that I was never going to be a Leafs fan, and I started cheering for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and I still am a Canadiens fan to this day. Um, but also growing up in Strathroy, um, we've got Detroit television stations and occasionally radio stations. So listening to Tigers baseball or watching Tigers baseball, watching Pistons basketball, um, watching the NFL. Um, I sort of caught the broadcasting bug and hockey was my first true love. So whenever I would play hockey, whether it be on the ice or in the streets of Strathroy, I would occasionally, yes, break out the play-by-play um, voice. And while playing the game or just watching a game, I would pretend to call it myself, pretending I was Danny Gallivan or Bob Cole or whoever was the broadcaster uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh, Joe, I was before Joe Bowen's time before he joined the Leafs broadcast, but, um, Ernie Harwell, if I'm thinking about Tigers baseball back in the day, those were some of the guys that I watched and sort of were unofficial mentors, I guess, if you could say, as I, as I was a kid and caught the broadcasting book. Yeah. It's, it's funny how that, because then what happens is that you kind of start to, as you're sort of listening or watching the somebody do like other like somebody do the play by play you kind of you know uh, kind of critique it a little bit in your own mind and go okay you know this is how i would have called it or this is how you know this is what how they should have phrased it or something yeah i always found that um everyone had their own um niche on how to call a game uh, and I was really in tune with how you call different sports, whether it be hockey or basketball or baseball. And I guess you could say that I picked up a little bit of everything from everyone. Um, and what I quickly learned from working in radio and working in television is that in radio, you have to be a little bit more descriptive because people are counting on you uh, to tell the story. What do you see with your eyes where in television um, people can actually see the screen. So you broadcast a different style. Yeah. And um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the, um, the Leafs there a little bit. Um, they look like they are about to make a little bit of a push to, I mean, they are in the playoffs, but I, I mean, it, but they certainly, and what did you think of some of the moves they made when they when they acquired uh, Ryan O'Reilly and when they made that those trades? Um, for the I think um, the moves that they made were necessary uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs because let's face it, the Leafs have really struggled over the past few seasons, not able to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And I expected that Kyle Dubas, the general manager, who I really like. Got to know him from his days in the OHL with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, uh, as well as Sheldon Keefe, for that matter. Um, I thought that this was it. And since his contract was going up, he was going to go all in. So I expected that he would make a number of moves. And the moves that he did make, I like. I think Ryan O'Reilly, while his arrow may be pointing down uh, from a skill set point of view, I think he's a terrific guy in the room, a terrific character player in the dressing room that can help uh, elevate the Maple Leafs 
from that perspective. And he also provides a strong skill set, especially in the faceoff circle, where he can add depth to that Maple Leafs lineup. I really like the addition of McCabe on, on the defense. Um, I think that was a huge move for them since Jake Muzzin was injured and will not be returning. And he adds value to the back end for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I really like that move. And uh, I think the Maple Leafs are going to be successful in this playoff run. Does that mean they get by the Boston Bruins? I don't think so, but I do see the Maple Leafs getting some success in the NHL playoffs this season. What did you think of the what did you think of the of the of the of the of the, the of the uh Gustafson move? They did acquire him as well. I can't say I was too big on that. Yeah, when I when I look at that move, Valley, I think Gustafson provides depth on the blue line and it is a power play specialist. Uh I think come the playoffs, there is a greater microscopic view on special teams. And you have to be really successful, not only on the PK, but on the power play. And I think Gustafson provides that. Uh, I, I expect that the Maple Leafs will dress six or seven defensemen in the playoffs. And Gustafson will see most of his ice time uh, as a power play specialist. But I mean, but the I mean, I mean, his name, I mean, the the one they traded him for they uh, who they traded to get him. Um, I mean, I mean, I guess, I mean, I think the who they had was a lot better. Now they've got, then what did you think of, of and of course, Samsonov is able to provide, I think that um, the depth too, that they, that they, that they uh, are after here to, in this playoff run. Yeah. With the injury to Matt Murray, I think uh, adding um, Samsonov at the beginning of the season um, has been a huge uh, win for the Maple Leafs. Um, Samsonov coming into this season, if you remember, uh, many people had doubts about what he could provide the Maple Leafs in goal. And he's had a terrific season. And he is deserved of the number one goaltending job uh, in goal for the, for the Maple Leafs, especially now with the injury to Matt Murray. But when I look at the blue line, uh, you're talking about how the Leafs gave up Sandine to get yeah, Rasmus Sandine, yes. Yeah, to get Gustafson. Um, I don't know where Sandine fit in that depth chart. You have TJ Brody, Mark Giordano, um, Morgan Riley, uh, then the addition of McCabe, which we talked about, and then Shen. They were all playing ahead of Sandine. And, you know, to get something, you have to give up something. And uh, they thought that Gustafson's acquisition as a depth blue liner and a power play specialist worked for them at this time and place. I still like Sandine's future. I think the future looks bright for him. It's just the Maple Leafs needed to do something in the now and not for the future to be successful. Yeah. And, and also, we also touched on there with Kyle Dubas is uh, contract being up here um, um, as well. So if, I mean, he does not have a, a contract for next season. And if let's let's say things do um, un, like we, we I'd, I'd like to see the leave as a leaf fan, I'd like to see them uh, go a little bit to act, to try and get out of the first round this year, um, make it past. But if let's say if things do not work out, 
do you see Brendan Shanahan coming? Do you see what do you think of the future for Brendan Shanahan? Do you see him coming back or um or do, do you think that they have the right person in place? Do you feel to to with Brandon Shanahan to make necessary, um, you know, to bring in a, a person uh, uh, who will end up making necess- uh, a necessary rebuild, as they call it? If the Maple Leafs lose to Tampa Bay in the first round of the NHL playoffs, I think the Maple Leafs are cleaning house. That involves Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, and Sheldon Keefe. Now, if they advance past the Lightning, I think that's a different story. Um, however, in saying that, if they lose to Tampa Bay, I think you'll see Dubas, Keefe, and Shanahan all in new rules next season. I think, and I think they will get new rules elsewhere in the NHL. I just think if the Maple Leafs can't get out of the first round, the brass is going to clean house. Yeah, that's uh, and and because I think though, because they've, I mean, those first round exits that they had in the past few years, um, number of uh, playoff runs here, they've had a pretty good team on the ice. They've had a pretty good team. Without a doubt. You know, when you look at the success uh, of their forwards, especially uh, from, you know, Mitch Marner to uh, Austin Matthews to Willie Nylander, to John Tavares, uh, although some Leafs fans may be disappointed in his output compared to his dollar value and his contract value, the forwards have always been there for the Maple Leafs. It's The bigger question has been on the blue line. Have they been tough enough, physical enough um, against some of the other top forwards uh, to be successful in the playoffs? And let's face it, uh, the matchups that Toronto has had in the first round, the teams that they have faced, uh, provide a difficult matchup because they have very skilled forwards uh, up front. The Boston Bruins, for example, have had some very skilled forwards and they've eliminated the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit here. I want to talk a little bit about the um, the Raptors here. They had their media day yesterday and uh, Nick Nurse also commenting on his future uh, a little bit. What do you feel looks, what do you feel the future of Nick Nurse looks like in Toronto? Do you feel in a sense that he wants a change, that he wants to get out? I mean, he is under contract for next year, but do you? does he want out? Do you see another rebuild coming for the Raptors? Well, uh, the question surrounding Nick Nurse, uh, it's a little bit murkier, I would say, Ali. Um, uh, when I look at the Raptors, uh, I think it was not an issue with Nick Nurse, but more the construction of the roster. I just didn't feel that the Raptors had the successful parts that meshed together. It was like putting a square peg into a round hole when you looked at that roster and the roster construction of it. Uh, and the roster for the Toronto Raptors will look vastly different, in my opinion, next year. Um, Jacob Pirtle, the center that they acquired at the deadline, he's a free agent. Um, Gary Trent 
and Fred Van Vliet's can all opt out of their clause, uh, opt out of their contracts, excuse me, and become free agents as well. So uh, unless the Raptors bring some of those players back, I think their construction of the roster is the biggest question. And I think for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and the Raptors brass, maybe they like that they will soon have a lot of free agents so that they can build the roster that they need to be successful. I'm not so critical of the coach, Ali. I'm more critical of how the roster makeup was for the Raptors this year. And it didn't perform. Um and the other thing, if you watch the playoff game or listen to the playoff game or the play-in game against the Bulls, if you miss 18 free throws, you're never going to win a basketball game. So that's an area of improvement, no matter who is on the roster for the Raptors. Yeah, because and I was actually like, were you like surprised that they did not make more moves at the trade deadline? Where that the, I I actually had a feeling that they would, um, they would package Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, OG, and maybe Pascal, and just trade trade them, and then look to either for some and and traded them for draft picks. Yeah, I don't know if I would have traded all those guys, Ali. That's a lot of guys there. Um however, in saying that, I too thought that the best path forward for the Raptors would be to sell at the deadline uh and not acquire the one player that they did in Jakob Pertl. Um because when you take a look at the Raptors roster, it's not very deep. I think it's uh uh, seven-player rotation, eight-player rotation at the most for the Raptors, where other teams who have had success can go nine, ten deep at times, and they have better all-around players in that rotation. Um, but like I said, I think there's an opportunity here where they can construct the roster differently going forward and sort of rebuild on the fly and again, get back to the promised land, so to speak. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be an interesting year for them. And it's also going to be interesting for the Hamilton Bulldogs moving to Brantford. That's going to be interesting too. Yeah, I think that's a great move in the Ontario Hockey League as first Ontario Centre in Hamilton undergoes some renovations. Uh, of all the other places that the Bulldogs could have gone Brampton was one spot. Cornwall was another. I think the move to Brantford is fantastic. First time we'll see OHL hockey in Brantford in 40 years. Uh, and the reason I like it is it's close enough to Hamilton that fans in Hamilton can make the drive to Brantford and continue to enjoy the Bulldogs and OHL action. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a permanent move for the Bulldogs after uh, playing the next three seasons in Brantford as they have committed to uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. I, I think it's a fantastic story and one that I look forward to following and traveling to games in Brantford. Yes, and uh, I want to also talk a little bit. Yeah, that's going to be good. And I mean, they'll be playing in the Civic Center as well. So and then, I mean, it, 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 it you know, I mean, because here's the thing, right? Because I think Brantford, I mean, Hamilton, I, I mean, Hamilton's a great city, but I think Brantford, 
that more developments have taken place in Brantford than they than in Hamilton over the last several sort of years. I would say that I don't know too much about Brantford, to be quite honest with you, and its development and what has happened in the community. But from my experience, um, Brantford's a tight-knit community that loves hockey. After all, it's the home of Wayne Gretzky, and there's a tremendous tradition there. So I would suggest that having the OHL in Brantford is a terrific story not only from an OHL standpoint, but from a fan standpoint and the community standpoint. I have spent some time in Brantford in the past, almost worked there, in fact, from a broadcast standpoint. Uh, I think it's a terrific community, and I know the community will rally around uh, the Bulldogs, as they have already with the the number of season ticket sales that the Bulldogs have enjoyed in Brantford. Yeah. Yeah. I meant sort of in terms, yeah. Uh, in terms, yeah. In terms of the hot, in terms of the, um, the hockey, the OHL community. Yeah, no, they've, it seems that way too, because, and, and I agree with you because of that, of, of the ticket sales and of, yeah, I think they've got a, they have a future there, I think. And, um, and uh, looking forward to seeing where they go from here. And, and the, uh, and the Bulldogs are a tremendously run organization. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to put a winner on the ice, especially after they made a number of moves this year to sell some of their bigger players and get some young players. I think uh, their future is tremendously bright, and uh, I think they're going to enjoy immense success in Brantford. Yes, uh, and uh, I also wanted to talk a little bit about the broadcast, the industry now as a whole, as far as it's, uh, it has, um, with its, uh, with the way that it has changed. Do you, um, now also to first start with, you had an opportunity as well to work with, uh, Lynn Martin. What was that like? If you can describe some of that, if you don't, if you're comfortable with that. Yeah, I, I, it was, um, it was too brief a time. Uh, I would have loved to have worked with Lynn Moore. I think she was a tremendous professional uh, who knew radio inside and out. And as a host of a talk show, she um, was able to uh, interact with people, get people to call into her show, share their opinions, share their stories. And as a former broadcaster, that's not easy to do. That's a tremendous skill set that Lynn had to be able to connect with people so that they would call into her show and share their stories. Um, Lynn was a tremendous professional uh, on the air, and she was an even better person off the air. Truly enjoyed my time with Lynn. And um, I used to actually, you know, I I used to like, like, even like when it came to um, news stories, even. Like she would have, you know, I, I liked the way, and, and I agree, like she had a really unique way of crafting that and just going, okay, and, you know, just getting people to call in. But was it like, I mean, of course, the technology did come in as like in her last several years, the Facebook and Twitter. And then actually, then um, some of them you can actually, um, yeah text the stations now um do we like did it seem was that an avenue that she used do you think as well to 
um, to um, sort of grab the attention, like sort of to engage people? I think it was a necessity. Um, I would say not only for Lynn, but for all broadcasters to be successful, um, especially over the last few years, uh, they needed to include the texting platform and the social media platform. Uh, being in the industry for over 25 years, uh, being involved with the Radio and Television News Directors Association of Canada, I will tell you that technology has been the biggest change that the industry has dealt with since I started my career and going back to Fanshawe back in 1992. Um, not only have reporters have had to adapt to the technology, they've had to adapt to um, the social media world and the fact that people can get the news that they want in their hands on their phones just as quickly as, uh, and even quicker in most cases than listening to the radio or watching it on television or reading it in a newspaper. Uh, I used to remember editing audio on reel-to-reels, splicing and cutting reel-to-reels to play audio, and then using carts and cart machines uh, which look like eight-track players, if those, if some of your listeners don't know what that is, to now editing on computers. Technology has been the biggest difference. And for people to be successful in the radio and television and media industry, for that matter, they've had to embrace not only the changes in technology, but the world of social media. And I guess the same is true, would you say, for me here as well, being a, you know, you know, doing my own show on, on sport, uh, uh, you know, in a podcast form, you know, on sports and sports media. I guess it's the same for me too, right? Do you, right? Like in the sense of, do you still feel Twitter is important? I think all social media platforms are important because you're able to reach an audience that may not necessarily know about you or your product. I think you, each person who is trying to get into the industry and those people who are already in the industry should use the social media platforms to share not only their talents and their stories uh, and their products, but to connect with people as well, connect with listeners, viewers, readers, um, and building that integration and building that engagement will lead to success for you, Ali, or anyone else who's listening who is starting a podcast or are launching a media site or any other media product for that matter. Just as in radio, like we talked about, Ali, with Lynn Martin, you know, she was able to engage and connect with an audience via the radio platform, the radio medium. People can do that now by using social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, what have you. Yes. And um, right. So, um, yes. And that's really, and it, it, it ha and also to like, also with the way that, you know, with the way that I, you know, with how I send out and post the upcoming schedule, that's also important too. Right. To do right. that. Right. So people um, subscribe 
to your podcast, for example. So if you can engage that audience and connect with that audience through newsletters or emails or whatever other platform is avail available to you, that's all key. And that helps you connect with the audience and stay connected with the audience. And I want to also wrap up here with the, um, with the uh, Jays a little bit. What do you, you know, what are your, Thought, what were your thoughts on some of the moves they made, starting with, say, now with the with the Teoscar move as well as um, the and then they acquired Dalton Varsho and and Kevin Kiermeyer has been surprised. Uh, has, he's looked pretty good, too. I mean, I mean, he, a little I don't know if the if management's is surprised about Kevin, about Kiermeyer, but I think he's looked good. Yeah, I think Kiermaier has looked good. I, I will be honest. I was surprised that they gave up on Teoscar Hernandez. And Guriel was another player that they moved. Um, but I understood the moves that they made uh, by trying to balance the lineup a little bit more by bringing in more left-handed bats. That is Kiermaier, that is Varsho, that is Brandon Belt, for example. And it gives... Uh, it gives the team some options uh, in building their lineup. John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, now has some options from an offensive standpoint and from a fielding perspective on how he can put his lineup together. I think the Blue Jays' success will be tied to their pitching staff, though. Uh, can their starters uh, have a good season? Uh, I think... If you, if you look at Alec Magnoa, he had a tremendous season last year, uh, was in the running for the Cy Young. Can he repeat that? Kevin Gossman's a strikeout king. Can he repeat that? And he's off to a good start this year. Um, they acquired Chris Bassett. Can he replicate what he did somewhere else in Toronto? Uh, questions around Kikuchi and Berrios. Can they rebound after tough seasons last year? And then, of course, the Blue Jays' bullpen was not very good last year. So they made some moves in acquiring Eric Swanson, for example. That's a huge pickup for the Blue Jays' bullpen. Can he uh, be the savior that the Blue Jays expect them to be in the bullpen? I think for the Blue Jays to be successful, it'll come down to their pitching staff, both starters and the bullpen. Yeah, and Romano Jordan Romano has also um, looked good as well. In uh, you know, as the as the closer, I think that was a good move as well. I think that was a good not move, but I think that's good that they chose to keep him there as well as the closer. Well, he did have a very successful year last year. Um, I don't think you can give up on somebody um, after he had forty two saves last year. He's obviously uh, been pretty successful in that role. So I think it was wise for him to be in that position and be the closer for the Blue Jays going forward. I actually, he had 36 saves last year, my bad, uh, and only six blown saves. So uh, I think Jordan Romano is a successful closer in Major League Baseball, and it's wise for the Blue Jays to keep him in that role. That yes, and um, also, um, yeah, and um, what about Nate Pearson? Your thoughts on Nate Pearson? I feel that the I think it's good that the Jays are giving him a chance to 
uh, that they're that they're that they've taken that chance on him. Um, I mean, he is in. I think he is in. I think he's in Buffalo right now. But um, w- but um, I, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I uh, I think every single Major League Baseball team will um, will be calling up people from AAA from AA this season. There's no doubt about it. So I think for a Nate Pearson, for example, um, I don't know where else he fits in that rotation and bullpen for the Blue Jays right now. So get him some playing time in Buffalo with the Bisons, let him gain his confidence and know that he's available to join the Blue Jays sometime this season. Because there's no doubt in my mind that he will get the call up this season. Um, so I, I think starting in AAA is a good move for Nate Pearson because I don't know where else he would fit in the Blue Jays' active roster at this moment. Yes, that's good. And um, and as we, as we wrap up here, Manny, where can people, um, uh, uh, how can people contact you um, uh, online? Where can they find you if they have any questions for, they want to get in touch with you? Anybody listening here, where can they find you online? Uh, well, uh, I'd love to connect with people. So you can hang out with me on Twitter if you like. Uh, you can follow me at Pava the Way. That's P-A-I-V-A, the way, a little play on my last name. Uh, I'm sure you can find me on other social media as well, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. Um, Love to hear from you. Connect with me and and we can start a conversation about the OHL or sports in general. That is awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at atom podcast 819 please feel free to please give me a follow i'd love to connect with you and also at http colon slash slash alleytechgroup.wordpress.com and we also have an all over the map uh, facebook page as well and please as many mentioned there earlier please follow the show wherever you find your podcasts we are on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify amazon music uh, wherever you find podcasts, we are there. Well, Manny, I want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Allie, thank you very much for asking me. I've enjoyed our time together immensely and keep up the good work. I'm a loyal listener and uh, uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing on your podcast. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much. And I hope we can do, I look forward to doing this again real soon in the future. Sounds very good to me. And maybe we can talk some Spitfires hockey. Oh, we will. Absolutely. And I'm Ali Musa. It is not goodbye. As, as I always remind you, it is until next time. And my thanks to Manny Pava for uh, stopping by the studio for a Rangers, for a Kitchen Rangers and a sports chat in general and a sports media chat today. And as I mentioned there, as we wrapped up with him, you can uh, feel free to follow this show wherever you find your favorite podcast at, um, at, um, um, you can find us on Amazon music, Apple podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and many more platforms as well. And you can contact me at 
http colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com. And again, please follow me on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me at ATOM Podcast 819 on Twitter. And uh, please let me know that you're listening to the show. And as I always remind you on this show that it is not goodbye, it is until next time. Have a great week, everybody. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at atompodcast819 at gmail.com. That is A as in alpha, T as in the, O as in over, M as in map, podcast819 at gmail.com. You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https colon slash slash allytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map. Once again, that is https colon slash slash ali techgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map and it is not goodbye it is until next time